I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. I think for me, the real joy of being able to host this show is really to be able to bring you the personalities and the people behind the websites, the book, the 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 organization where you can, you know, you get an idea of what that feels like from the internet or from their webpage, but it's not quite the same as having a conversation with them. And hopefully it's those insights, that connection with character, that connection with a philosophy, with a way of being, a journey that people have been on that makes you understand why an organization is so good, so benefit why it's doing so much good in the world and, and maybe even why you want to get involved. Today I'm going to be chatting about Central Reach and their mission is to provide the leading software and services platform to help children and adults diagnosed with autism and related IDDs and those who serve them unlock the potential, achieve better outcomes and live more independent lives. Now we're going to be finding all about the company by their CEO Chris Sullins and also from Dr Joanne Hill-Powell. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation all about Central Reach. Hi, Chris and Joanne. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. This is something which I know is going to be incredibly important for people. And I know the story behind it is something which I think people are going to find fascinating. So thank you for joining us. And Chris, maybe if you start us off with, you know, what's behind Central Reach and and where did it start and and how has it sort of grown since then? Yeah, no, thanks, Mark, for having us and uh, excited to be here. So so Central Reach... um, is the leading provider of, uh, of software and solutions um, for uh, providers that work with kids who are on the autism spectrum. Um, but we've also over time expanded into providing platforms that serve the needs of special education and special educators as they work with, uh, with the learners, um, as well as adults uh, and those transitioning to the job market and helping them uh, be better prepared to get jobs and then be more successful and more independent um, kind of with their lives. And so um, so everything, you know, that we kind of think about um, and focus on uh, really revolves around autism, um, the special uh, kind of needs community um, and providing technology and solutions that allow those that are working with that community uh, to really help them unlock their potential, um, achieve better outcomes, uh, and be more independent with their lives. And as CEO, what's your role overall, but also sort of what is your sort of, I guess, day-to-day or week-to-week kind of sort of working life to look like in terms of sort of moving that on and keeping the sustainability going? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it changes every day. <laughs> um, now, I mean, I think for for me, um, you know, the the key really is is trying to um, provide opportunities 
and really identify opportunities for us to continue to grow um, and, and to continue to kind of evolve the business, but do it within the context of, of the mission that we're trying to, to serve. So, you know, from day one, when I got here, um, we established kind of the mission uh, for what we wanted to do as an organization. Um, at that point in time, we had one product that was serving one market, um, which is different than, than where we are today. Um, but that mission really allowed us to understand kind of the why of why are we here, what are we here to do, and how do we want to do it. Um, and then as we've evolved, um, it's easy to kind of point back to that as the blueprint of when we make investments, we make acquisitions as we did uh, with Joanne's company Lifted. It's all in context of helping us achieve the mission um, and, and trying to help, um, I guess, as a CEO, one of the big things that I need to do is help the organization be able to kind of uh, lift their head up from the the kind of weeds and the you know trees and everything they do day to day to keep the organization running and and keep serving our customers and keep selling and doing all those things. It's easy to get wrapped up in that and forget about the why we're here. Um, and so that's really one of the kind of main uh, roles for me is really telling our story repeatedly internally and externally, but helping the organization kind of um, take a step back and really see who we serving, why we serving, and why is what you're doing critically important for us to be able to to do uh, and the mission that we've set out to do. Yeah, and I think that mission's incredibly important, isn't it? And, and I like the way you said, you know, sort of continually saying it internally and externally, because of course, I'm, I'm certainly one person that thinks, I've said it once or twice now, so everyone's heard it in various mm -hmm. guises, but it, but it is that sort of regularity of everything, which just kind of brings that kind of uh, sort of ethos through to everyone. So, so Joanne, take us in, into your role and what your sort of working week um, looks like in, in the kind of things that you're, you're spending your time doing. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. So I am the Director of Special Education, Business Development and Strategy. Um, and that gives me a really unique and exciting opportunity to think about the suite of solutions that we offer, particularly in the education market and how we can best serve schools. And as Chris mentioned, when we think about serving schools, we're really thinking from a technology perspective about success on both sides of the screen. So the solutions that we offer that can make lives easier for special education professionals, um, but also drive outcomes for learners. And that includes everything from assessment to instructional solutions. Um, and so I have that opportunity to think about how we can serve the special education market best with what we offer. Great. And so can you take us into what some of those different programs are, sort of the touch points of how people get involved? Because it would, I guess, people probably arrive at you with this kind of, I've got this problem and, and you've got this program that helps, but then they might end up sort of, sort of broadening out into some of the other things that you've got available. Yes, absolutely. So we serve both small and enterprise level therapy and clinical settings um, from an ABA based perspective, applied behavior analysis, which is the evidence based solution and strategy for teaching learners with autism and intellectual developmental disabilities. Um, but from my lens, I'm going to speak a bit more deeply on just specifically the education market. Um, and with that comes a suite of uh, assessment tools 
So WebAbles is a proven tool that allows you to support an educational team as they assess a student's learning history and where they're starting their educational journey. That's complemented by AFOLS Online, which supports a learner more through middle school, high school, and into adulthood. After those assessments, um, our solution that I recently, as Chris mentioned, our solution Lifted was acquired and we're really proud and honored to be part of the Central Reach team is Lifted. And we combine um, individualized education plans or IEPs that drive the goals for students learning throughout the school year with the day-to-day -day instruction. And that really complements the information that they received from assessment. And then probably the last, but so important, um, is Avail as a solution. Um, that is a solution specifically that equips learners with more confidence and independence as they go into adulthood, community settings, and environments, really serving the lifespan um, from assessment to documentation, and then also thinking about the fact that we need to think about learning not just from school-based settings, but into the community. Um, and then to further enhance that, we've still got more, is we do have curriculum supports through um, our CR Elements curriculum and ABA tools. So we've got a lot to offer uh, across the board. And Chris, I'm interested in, in kind of how you go about framing within your mission that idea of you know this is software which gives you the information and the insights and the support that you need for this this this, this type of work um as, as opposed to the sorts of sort of personal um teaching and, and personal kind of um um caring community that you need especially when we're sort of talking about this area mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, so we kind of think about it in in two settings i think the the real kind of the why of the why that we're here um, really is centered around this concept of unlocking potential, achieving better outcomes, um, and more independence for those with autism and uh, NIDD. And so, so that's really what we're here to do is really to try to provide tools and technology that allows um, for that to happen. And so, um, so it's really, you know, who are we serving and who are our customers serving, but then what do we, what do we do? What's our role? And our role is really centered around the platform of software and, uh, and select services. So the content and curriculum, um, is really designed to provide that digital kind of experience, um, and help those that are working with our applications, whether it's, in a provider setting or a school setting, kind of connect the dots between the assessment, um, you know, and this is this is basically where the child is at um, and what they need um, to kind of move on to the, the next stage of their development. Um, and then that flows into, okay, well, what's the curriculum? What's the programming? Can you give me some tools that allow me to easily be able to execute on, on this plan? Um, and then it you know flows into the data collection, the analysis to know, understand, okay, what exactly happened through, it, through the session? Um, what worked, what didn't work? And then how do I kind of make adjustments based on, based on that outcome of the data? So, um, so we have um, folks like Joanne um, and thankfully, um, and, and a number of others. We've got um, more than 50 board certified behavior analysts at work uh, within Central Reach. Um, so those are 
ostensibly our customers, um, but we've brought them in in large numbers. We have a number of doctors um, uh, who are BCBAs um, as well, and some of the leading kind of uh, thought leaders in the industry. So the founder and uh, developer of the Ables are um, the developer of uh, and founder of AFOLS. So those assessments that Joanne talked about are all, you know, thought leaders within our organization who've devoted their lives to kind of helping this community and who are now helping us develop products that, you know, those that are working with, uh, um, with these individuals um, can be more successful at. So, so I think it's a balance between we certainly are a technology company. We look for those kind of hard skills um, and everything you need to kind of scale a software as a service business and a technology business, um, which on the face of it aren't uh, 100% unique to what we do and who we serve. Um, but we infuse that and combine it um, with those that are coming from the space. A number of the folks in our organization are touched in one way or another. So they have children who are on the spectrum, have family members who are on the spectrum, um, know people who are on the spectrum. And so, um, so the cultural aspect of kind of the kind of empathy, um, the compassion, um, humility, those are some of the core values that we kind of look for in employees. So, so it's a balancing act of, hey, we want really smart people who know technology, but we want, we want those people to really care about what we do um, and really see the mission. Um, and so we spend a lot of time on the hiring process looking for that kind of combination of fit uh, and capability. And if we had to go one way or another, we go for fit and train the capability as opposed to get, you know, the best salesperson or the smartest technologist who really just, you know, could care less about kind of what we do. Um, we'll take a pass on those folks. <clears throat> yeah, I really like that. Um, I've just been watching actually on Disney, um, the uh, industrial light and magic um, thing about George Lucas and setting up all the all the computer graphics and the modeling as they started. And, and the reason I bring this up is the fact that it's all, it, you know, Star Wars as a project just looks so sci-fi and so kind of amazing effects. But as you start to hear about all this sort of stuff and dive in, it's all about the story. It's about using the technology to create and enhance the storytelling, the the ability to kind of make that enhance what it is that you're trying to achieve rather than the technology being there for the sake of it. Then I think one of the things they mentioned was the fact that when it looks like a fantastic effect, you've kind of sort of missed the point because the effect should be driving everything else. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that that's the sort of ethos that you were doing, which I think I think is incredibly important. So Joanne, from your from your point of view, t take us from that sort of education standpoint, um, as opposed to the technology standpoint, in, in terms of sort of in, in terms of your vision, what you're trying to achieve, and sort of expand what you're doing. Um, how do you go about that? How do you sort of work with the people in your team to sort of sort of develop new things and ideas, and, and sort of bring people into the fold of that way of thinking? I think um, the example that you just gave really resonates with me on that, Mark, because. I really have very little background in technology. Um, Lifted was co-founded alongside my brother, who has a background in tech. And I would always jokingly say, I am the ed and he is the tech. Um, my background was really starting as a paraprofessional, a teaching aide in a classroom, and then becoming a classroom teacher, um, eventually becoming a board certified behavior analyst and consultant. And so ultimately that journey 
helped me to walk through the shoes of the individuals that we're designing solutions for every day, right? We're thinking about the, the job coach, the, the teaching assistant, and as much as we can sit in that seat will help us to ensure that the solution we're offering really does support their goals and how they can best support learners with autism and IDD. So in my role, it's trying to never take that hat off. Um, like Chris just said, not to get too deeply entrenched in that one specific product or the sales or the business side of it, but just to really think deeply about the individuals we're supporting and not lose that touch point. Um, and from someone sort of outside of the industry, as it were, I'm always keen to sort of know how those two things marry up. So um, from, like I said, when you've got analysis of things and statistics of what's happened to any, any particular child at any given time, mm. what are the sorts of things that are being fed in, which then come out the other side that give you the information? And how do you then sort of take that on board and say, I can start to adjust maybe my approach or, or use that kind of information that can help support the people that you're teaching? Well, this is a great geek out moment because data is my favorite four letter word. Um, but I often say, you know, when you talk about data, we want to remove that from education, but we always attach it to the business world and having measurable outcomes. And so when we're working with a population that's already vulnerable, potentially at risk for making the progress that we want to help them achieve, we need to have a lot of strategic measurement and we can leverage that through the technology. So from a practical standpoint, that could look like a teacher sitting with a student one-on-one -on -one and in one of our solutions, just entering information about how many times they're correct or incorrect in performing a skill or a job coach following um, a learner into an employment setting and determining how much endurance they have for a work day. And so collecting that data in the platform at that moment might not seem very complex, but then in the background, we're aggregating that often into data tables, charts, visualizations, where you can take a step back, view progress, look at learning trends. And we do that every day with the stock market. So why would we not do that for learning? Um, and then eventually with the rich suite of solutions we provide and also the, the in-house expertise, look at another level of technology like AI, machine learning, to eventually determine rather than replying on just uh, relying on the humanistic element of our analysis in the background, can we even further determine faster how we could have intervened, helped accelerate learning and ultimately make the outcomes that we're aiming for with more efficiency. And I think it's really easy to, to forget that simplicity, isn't it? Because in the here and now, it's like, I remember what happened there. You know, right. I mean, we've just done this for five minutes. But then, but what happened yesterday or last week or last mm -hmm. month? And you know, like, say, so even if that's just how many times we actually had the session, let alone what happened in a session, exactly. for example. And, it, and it's only when you've got that documented in some way that you actually have any idea what that is. Yes, that's a great point. And I think the um, I was just going to add one of the other interesting elements, especially in, um, you know, I think in working with any kind of learner, but but certainly the learners that um, um, that those that work with our products work work with is you're collecting data in two dimensions as well. Um, one is the things that you want them to do more of. Um, and the other is the things you want them to do less of which both happen simultaneously in a lot of ways, right? Um, you know, running away every time, you know, you sit down, we want to do this. Well, I don't want to do this. Like any other child doesn't want to do this. And, uh, and so you're trying to um, capture data in those two dimensions. And that's where the charting and some of the analysis really comes in is kind of 
you start to look at it and go, wow, they not only did they progress, but they progressed on both dimensions, um, you know, over the last week or month or whatever it is, um, which really, um, you know, is, uh, uh, is very beneficial, obviously, for the, for the learner, but it's also very helpful for the teacher to know the things that they were doing really helped in, in, those, uh, in those two different instances. Yeah, and I, and I think also having that whole picture is really important. But also, it's, sometimes it's hard to see the picture in your head. I always remember um, when we were um, planning um, my wedding, and, um, and we had a caterer come round, and they said, "So, you know, what would you like in terms of catering and that kind of thing?" And we just said, no idea. <laughs> um, but 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 what we then realised is that you often find out what you do want by what you don't want so start, yes. things started getting sort of thrown out there would you like it to be this or that or hot or cold or all sit down together buffet whatever it happens to be you start saying well I, I don't know what I want but I definitely don't want this and I don't want that and then the picture starts to sort of sort of fuse together and you come up with a solution I guess to some extent this is the same sort of thing because like I say you've got data which works you've got data of things which didn't work so well things that you can then put more energy into and and, and so it like you say, everything that happens sort of becomes clearer by just having more information. And I guess that's a little bit like you were saying, Joanne, in terms of it can be small things, but also can be sort of um, large bits of, of information that you wouldn't see without having that sort of global idea. Absolutely. So we should probably talk about the fact that obviously you're both in America. Um, from, a, from a company standpoint, Chris, you know, is, is this something that people can be involved in any anywhere in the world is it um sort of um america centric how, how does that work in terms of, of the plan and where you are yeah so um so we have uh, uh we have users that do span kind of the the globe um you know our focus um is predominantly in america because um from a uh, from an aba perspective um you know the the vast majority of behavior analysts and, and kind of a lot of the the dollars and the, the early innovation kind of occurred uh, here and so um, so that's really um, you know one of the main reasons we planted our flag and, and there's a lot more that we we can do uh, kind of here um, that being said the needs that we're addressing um, you know do span kind of every country across the globe. Um, and, uh, and I think our solutions um, are not unique to America. Certainly there's always a nuance in different countries and the way that they, they do things. Um, but in some ways, kind of outside the US, um, and again, you know, we're talking about the education market, so it's a little bit different, but on the provider side, it, it almost is a little bit simpler. A lot of, a lot of countries have a single payer or, uh, you know, not the complexity of, of kind of the uh, healthcare reimbursement systems that we have here, which is mm -hmm. one of the things that we've, uh, it's one of the benefits of our product is we can help them navigate that. But outside the U.S., it's, uh, it's a little bit overkill for that. So, so as we think about kind of growth and expansion, we're certainly continue to be focused kind of here in the U.S. because there's just uh, a, a growing need. Um, and it continues to be underserved across all these markets, and, and we're well positioned to, to kind of address that. Um, but we are looking to, you know, target our solutions um, and uh, and expand into select kind of international markets and, and markets like the UK and Australia and others that um, 
uh, you know, really are well served both from a language and kind of the, uh, the similar perspectives, I think, are ones that we, uh, uh, we would look at in the more near term. <clears throat> And I think that's, um, I mean, certainly from an educational far perspective, I think that's one of the reasons it has such a global audience is the fact that we're, despite the, the specifics of what we talk about on any given mm-hmm. show, we're talking about, you know, helping other humans, you know, right. <laughs> essentially yep. to learn and support and that kind of thing. Um, and, and so I think certainly it's the reason why, you know, the US, for example, is our second biggest audience. And 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 it, and it find, find it really interesting when we're talking about being able to serve different countries. But Joanne, I'm, I'm also interested in terms of your experience. How does it work, you know, from a school to school perspective or from a state perspective or, you know, east to west <laughs> and that sort of thing? Do you, do you sort of find are there sort of similar trends because of, of the type of solutions that you're doing or, or does it vary because, like we say, everybody's different and, and their situations are different? Yeah, great question. So although we're the United States of America, there is quite a bit of variability from state to state, um, especially from a school-based perspective. Even think about our educational um, goals and objectives and standards can be uh, state adopted. So you have some variation in what the aims and targets are for what you're teaching learners. Um, you also have variations because our, our core mission is rooted in applied behavior analysis that adoption looks really different from from east to west coast. Um, But there is this keen understanding that that is an evidence-based proven approach to instruction. And so we find that when we're going into environments that are using that methodology, we typically find a lot of commonalities in the pain points that we're solving for, right? We have teachers, we have support staff, um, we have the need to support really individualized instruction and doing that through assessments and solutions that help with data collection. So um, there, the backbone might be quite a bit of vari- variability. Once we get to the core needs, usually we're solving the same pain point across that user group in schools. Um, and I'll let either of you answer this because I, I guess it, <laughs> you might have both have a slightly different perspective. But in terms of the user using one, one, one of these sort of solutions, as it were, is it a question of entering it from a different place you know like say if you're if you're an assistant if you're a teacher if you're someone who's part of a school that wants everybody to be involved in a, in, a, in 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 using it how does that sort of work from a practical standpoint and, and and what does that look like depending on on the user actually making the most of it yeah i think in that regard we kind of go back to what drives at least um from our perspective with schools the individualized education plan and although we're a business and we need to have a seamless process we also need to understand that the, the variability in a learner is very similar to how we solution and help support a school, right? So we really have to come up with an individualized and personalized plan, depending upon their population. Are we talking about supporting mostly teachers? Do you have, as Chris mentioned, board certified behavior analysts um, that have a richness of experience that you can draw in? Or are you lacking in that area? And we need to help solution around that with our technology Um, We also support other therapists, so speech, occupational therapists, physical therapists. We're thinking about so many stakeholders that we almost need to have a good cross-section of who does your student population include, and then how do we personalize how you implement these solutions for all of those potential user groups. 
No, I was just going to add that, you know, the design and the usability is kind of critically important um, as well. So, right. um, so we want that complexity. So a board certified behavior analyst has the tools that they need to do their job. But going back to Joanne's point, speech therapists, physical therapists may not need all of that uh, um, kind of weight um, or mm -hmm. heft. And so, um, so it's almost like, you know, if you do it well, it's almost like an onion. It's kind of, you know, you've got, you know, the, the kind of happy path is very easy to kind of get your head around, know what you need to do, and you can kind of get in, get your job done. And, and, uh, and then as you uh, kind of move down that and as we develop our plan, then you can kind of uncover other advanced functionality that people can tap into if and when they, they need to do that. So it's not easy to do and certainly we're not perfect and there's mm -hmm. always opportunities for us to improve. But I think across our product portfolio, that's the way one of the things that we we really work on from a product standpoint is how do we make it usable um, so we don't overwhelm the user or design to kind of the the edge case. Um, when, you know, the 80-20 rule would say, you know, just focus kind of in, in the middle here and, and you're going to really serve people in a better way. Yeah, and I guess it really is that sense of it is a tool which is helping all these people support people who have autism. And and so from there, like I say, it almost wants to be invisible because it's the it's mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the, the progression of any given child that we're in this particular case that we're sort of talking about. So but at the same time, like I say, it becomes so integral to what you do that it actually um yeah, almost needs to be invisible, but at the same time, it's like the first app you open on your phone almost. Yeah. You know, you can live without it, except you can't really now these days. You know, the, yeah. the technology is so in, ingrained in, in what you actually do. Um, and, and Joanne, I'm, I'm interested to know, you talked about sort of you and, and, and your brother kind of doing these two things together. How do those conversations start with those sort of two different positions in terms of this is what we need and yeah this is what i can produce and how they sort of end up merging together and actually creating the solution yeah our conversations have always been interesting since he was born he's my younger brother but um i i actually think it was something that chris said resonated with me when you think back to the why not always you know the how just go back to your why so i'm thinking about what educators need to effectively solve their challenges and he is often pointing me back to, don't tell me how you want to do it. Just tell me what you need to do, why this is important. And I will get behind the scenes with our engineering team and figure out how to bring this to life. All those fun things that, you know, Chris just talked about from a user design experience to make sure we're solutioning for all those scenarios. So our conversations are really balanced because we both have very different skill sets and we trust each other in those areas. So he relies on me for the subject matter expertise. And I certainly will never level up to his level of knowledge base with technology, but it always goes back to the why, right? Like what, what's challenging? Um, where do we ultimately want to go? And then we have a great team that can figure out how we're going to do it. And I, and I guess that kind of is, is where so many of us live our lives in terms of technology, isn't it? You know, I don't necessarily know exactly how my iPhone works all the time, right. but I do need to know how it updates, how to adapt, how to do the things that I need to do to make it support my life. And there's a whole world of people that do know how all the coding works and all that kind of thing, and that's important to them. But I think, as, especially as things develop, you don't need to know absolutely everything about everything. You come at it 
in a position that supports you for what you need. And I guess, Chris, from your standpoint, that's that's how you're progressing in terms of you're being able to to get acquire companies, get the skills, get the kind of the talent, like you say, in inverted commas, to mm-hmm. be able to to bring all that together without developing a, a whole new portfolio. You're just bringing everyone into the fold under that mission. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and we're lucky, you know, to be able to, um, you know, as we've grown. So we're, um, well, in this year, uh, north of 400 em- employees, which uh, um, when I st- started, uh, I took over for the founder, I was about 80. So, um, so four years ago, so it's been a pretty r- rapid growth. But being able to bring in uh, folks like Joanne and Andrew and Lisa Marie, who is the founder of our Avail product, the entrepreneurs who, you know, kind of live, breathe, think, <laughs> you know, about these markets, but bring them in and, and have the, you know, we actually look for fit when the acquisitions of, we've passed on acquisitions of people who just, it would be very painful to bring them into our organization because they're very focused on their own thing and not their overall mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where we can find kind of that balance, I think it strengthens our organization and then it allows us to kind of uh, bring folks in. Um, the other thing I'd say, which again, you know, it's uh, what I loved about uh, Andrew and Joanne, but, um, you know, is the good product managers work in the way that Joanne describes. That's not the way that all product <laughs> managers work. <laughs> A lot go to, here's the solution, like, <laughs> um, and how we're going to do it um, before fully understanding kind of the why and, and what's the what's the problem we're trying to solve. And so where you get that kind of right product manager with the right subject matter expert, I think you produce much better kind of products and outcomes. Um, but it's not, while it seems like logical on the face of it, there's a lot of people that think they know how an iPhone works and right. <laughs> start going down the path of, uh, it really shouldn't be talking about that, um, you know, as they're developing an app or doing something else. So, um, so that is a balancing act because it's kind of hard to be the product person, to own a product and not be the one that always comes up with the good ideas. A lot of people want to come up with the, you know, best ideas. Um, but really it's more important to kind of tap into what the customer needs. And those are the ideas that we need to focus on, not, uh, not the whiz-bang ones that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the CEO, that's where that kind of experience and that overall, I just, I don't know why it came into my head, but that idea of like a puppet master, you know, you've got all these <laughs> things happening, uh, but you, you can see, you know, why this one's successful. And like you say, where you know, that looks like it's great on paper, but actually the reality is I know it's just going to literally take the strings out of all the others <laughs> yeah. and then everything's going <laughs> to, everything's going to collapse, you know, so that, like I say that all the, these different roles, which are incredibly important. Um, and and Joanne, just to sort of start to wind up, um, in terms of of being acquired, as it were, for a, a better word, it, um, in terms of how you now work, are you still very specific in, in, in what you were doing before? Or is it starting to develop out into the, the other parts of the company as well? Yeah, so you're right. There's always a question of like, what's the best word um, for this process? But it's been handled so wonderfully. And there is definitely a transition in how I can help support the development of not only Lifted, but I have this really awesome opportunity to think about a suite of tools that I personally used in my own practice 
prior to joining Central Reach that I really believe firmly in. Um, so currently I still demo our product. I still sell our product. I don't think about it as sales. I think about it as delivering a solution. Um, but I know as we continue to grow our core educational team with this market over time, I will never, I'll aim to never attempt to lose that touch point, but I'll have a lot more opportunities to think more holistically about the suite of tools and how we deliver that and not necessarily just as intimately with Lifted. And that's already happening and starting to unfold with some of our current partnerships. So it's already evolving. And I know that that's going to change even better over time. I love that. And it's an exciting prospect then, isn't it? Because like I say, you're growing and walking into yeah. into more of the world that you've already inhabited, but like I say, with more armory, as it were, to help in, in, in more in sort of yeah. for different ways. If I can add um, one more thing to that, Mark, too, please. it's the individuals that I work with so many brilliant professionals that I've read their articles, their publications in my graduate school experience. And now, you know, I'm potentially visiting school sites with them and taking a, sel a selfie, right? Because I'm just so proud. <laughs> and admire their work. But one thing is with all of that brilliance, there's very little ego because we all are very focused on that mission, like Chris said, and that's an extra delight that I didn't even really expect and anticipate in this transition that's been really enjoyable for me as well. Fantastic. Well, just as we round up, um, there's normally a few different questions that I ask related to schools and experience and that kind of thing. Um, but what I'd like to finish off is is with the the acronym FIRE, which is important here for Education on Fire. And by that, um, we talk about feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment. So just off the bat, what's the first thing that you think of as being important in that or anything that you'd like to sort of share, which just comes to mind? And we'll start with you, Chris. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of things, um, but I say the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, navigating, uh, navigating COVID, um, you know, uh, as a human, but also, uh, with a, with a company full, full of humans who are all, um, you know, affected by it. I think, um, you know, we, uh, all companies had to deal with it. I think, you know, everybody dealt with it. Um, their own way because I think there wasn't any blueprint or any you know this is this is what you do when the world shuts down and you're supposed to like figure out how to serve customers and do things um, and certainly from our customers perspective um, you know the the practice of ABA um, really is is best served in person um, because there is a physical component there is a child that wants to escape or wants to, you know, uh, hit or do things as they're trying to kind of acquire the skills that they need. And so, uh, so it really affected kind of those that we serve. Um, and so the kind of resilience and I mean, it's almost all of it, right? The feedback that became constant. So we went to kind of weekly updates. We looked at the data that we had in our, our kind of, uh, about our customers to see exactly what was the impact on them and how is that trending and um, and then we you know thought about both internally kind of the resilience component of it was just you know keeping people focused on and trying to uh, the things that we can control we can't control kind of when we go back we can't control when, <laughs> you know but what we can control is continuing to kind of invest in our business and our people and uh, and to stay kind of positive and focused on what things will look like on the other side once we get through it. Um, but that just repetitiveness of 
um, you know, understanding what's going on in the market, staying focused on what we can do in the day to day, you know, to continue to move forward, but also looking forward to, you know, when we get to the other side, our customers get to the other side, we still have to deliver all these things. And so let's keep our eye kind of focused on that while also understanding everybody is just completely stressed out <laughs> has you know things that they're working through with their families and uh, and being empathetic to kind of that as as you're doing it so I'm not sure if that's a good answer but that uh, to me was kind of the first one that came to mind absolutely yeah there's no right and wrong and I think that resilience and that's that sense of just doing what you can do now and there's something about when you're when you're under the cosh whatever that happens to be it brings out the natural instinct and I think all the things we've talked about today you know come across from that point of view and you can just do what you're doing now and all those sort of successions of now end up being hopefully something which is positive in the in the crisis time but also gives you that like say that strength and that ability to move forward afterwards and and joanne what was what were your initial thoughts yeah that's tough to follow chris that, that gave me a lot to think about <laughs> um but i guess when i thought when you when i heard fire and you know familiarizing myself with with the podcast I think there's two things when it comes to fire. It's either a fire in a positive way, right? Like you light a fire. I think of myself as a creator and I have a lot of things that are ignited in me and ideas I want to bring to life. But then to Chris's example, you get thrown in fires, right? And <laughs> that's unavoidable. So I often just think about the people, whether you're lighting a fire or you're trying to extinguish one, you're going to best navigate and enhance those situations with the people you surround yourself around. Um, my brother, you know, previous co-founder, he's he's part of he's one of my fire people, right? That we just ignite ideas all the time, and so I I really think whether you're on one side or the other, the people that you surround yourself around are so important and critical um, to how you navigate whatever that fire in life looks like for you. Yeah, I love that, and I, I love the fact that every answer is different, and everyone's perspective is different, and and that that I just think for people listening just gives a a real kind of sense of yeah, there's no right and wrong in anything that we do. Certainly, when we're involved in education and learning, you know, it's just what's right for you and what feels right at the time. Right. Um, and also, I love the fact that it kind of you know it sort of joins up that theme of you know today we've been talking about central reach, we've been talking about a software company, but actually we have only been talking about a human connection and having a shared mission to, to develop people and i think those two things don't necessarily go hand in hand in someone's immediate thought process but the more i have these conversations with people who are really keen and really able to share their passions it, it it's an absolutely no-brainer because that's the that's the mission that everybody's on which i love so much so chris just finish us off tell people where they can find out more about central reach and how they can get involved and, and get all the information they need yeah, I think a few uh, websites probably the best way to do that, um, and it's uh, uh, at centralreach.com. Fantastic. And we'll have a link to that and, and all the social media and that kind of thing on the show notes as well, so people can just click straight through. Chris, Joanne, thank you so much for, for sharing that mission, for, for so brilliantly putting together that sort of real sort of visual storyboard of how it works and how people can can get the most out of it and, and also thank you for all the work and the passion that you're putting into it you're obviously affecting so many many people um in america but also like I say further afield so yeah thanks so much for being here thanks for the opportunity mark it was a wonderful conversation yeah thanks for having us we really appreciate it thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. 
Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.